Tim and Tom. Tim. Tom. Tim and 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 Tom. Tom. Hello, Tim. Tom, I'm I'm happy. I'm excited to be here. Tim, how are you? I'm well. How are you? You know, I'm okay. Yeah? (laughs) You say that so convincingly. Well, I'm indifferent. Okay. Why are you indifferent? Well, I realized I was old. Oh, (laughs) you just now realized. So I recently (laughs) had a birthday, right? And uh, Uh that's cool, right? Birthdays are always great. It's always a fun time. Yeah, it makes you think about, you know, just your life. You kind of do a... Uh, do an inventory on what you go, what you have going on. You know the positive and negatives, all that stuff, right? So this past weekend was uh, First Fridays, and I went to First Fridays. That was a great time. Here's when I found out I was old. I was at a uh, local uh, chocolate shop. It's called Bees and Wheezy. Bees and Wheezy. Right. And they sell all this amazing chocolate. Some of the chocolate is infused with beer, locally like Free State and Torn Label and Boulevard, all of that stuff. Chocolate's amazing, right? We get there like 9.30 at night. A girl orders a double macchiato, triple shot, whipped cream, you know, flavor of the month, right? Whatever that is. And my first reaction, Tim, my first reaction, I said – Man, are we partying tonight? Because right. who's drinking a coffee past nine thirty? Yeah. yeah, I would have. Uh, I would have took a nap earlier today if I knew we were getting into it like this. Yeah, I yeah. would have read a book so I could feel, the, you know, prepared for the night right, if I knew right. that we were going to drink coffee after nine. Yeah, I wouldn't have worked out before I came here, right? Like I would. <laughs> I would have yeah. conserved my energy. I would have some more water. Would have had some Wheaties. Yeah, would have carbo loaded. Uh, right. I got to prepare for this. How sad yeah. is that? Well, that happened to me this weekend, Tom. I, uh, don't think less of me, uh, got drunk. I got, yeah, couldn't think any less. Yeah, I couldn't go now. worse. Couldn't go. Yeah, when you set the bar on the ground, Tim, uh, no, I, uh, uh, I drink. This is not like a, oh, oh my, uh, I'll drink and, you know, uh, but, my wife told me, she said, I don't think I've seen you, like, drunk in five years. And I was like, was I really that drunk? And uh, she goes, oh, uh, annoyingly, right? So, I mean, apparently, uh, you know, I get a little that way. So I woke up the next day, and that's when I really, it kind of hit me that, oh, yeah, I'm getting old because uh, I was not well, Tom. I was, you know, uh, what do they say, praying to the porcelain god uh, mm-hmm. when I woke up. Slept off part of Sunday, which is weird when you're old, right? And you haven't done that in years because it's just a right. surreal experience. You're like, oh no, <laughs> right? Like, well, you're, ew, you're how did I let way this happen? Older than me. So, let, way let me ask you a question. Older. You're way older than way, me. Way, huh? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Right. Got to really qualify that. Like, I mean, it's right. noticeable uh-huh. when we're standing next to each other. Oh, is, is it right? Um, right. So, don't you have more gray hair than I do? Is, my question <laughs> is, <laughs> right. I noticed another <laughs> tendency I had at First Fridays. I love First Fridays, by the way. 
Yeah. I don't live that far away from it, so it's not kind of out of the way to get there. I like all of the artwork. I love all of the street vendors, live music, all of that stuff. But I was legitimately making decisions on where I was going based on how many people were in the road. Because, you know, they block off the, the, the section of some of the streets. And I literally was going and I was going to, like, make a ride onto – I can't remember the street name. But I looked down. I go, too many people. Too many. I can't. <laughs> Too many people. It's, Too many. I don't want to be around. Like I went to a big high school. I'm used to navigating oh, yeah. through, of course. you know, a lot of things. I went to a, a smaller college, but still a college sure, with but several. You lived here your whole people. life, essentially. I mean, you're used to it. Yeah, I've always been used to it. Been, you know, I'm from Independence. There's plenty of high populated areas within that city. Um, you know, the mall and whatnot. Back when people used to go to the mall. Uh, but I was literally like, I don't want to yeah. go down this. Like that looks really cool, and I really want to try that juice that I yeah. see there mm-hmm. down to the right. <laughs> right. But I don't want to walk through those people. Saturday morning, uh, my wife and I. Um, let's see. Uh, what can I? I don't. I don't know if she wants her name out there on the podcast. Uh, but calling her Mrs. Tim sounds really bad in 2017. So we'll just say my wife. Right, my wife's. <laughs> Thought maybe I could You're give not saying fun. the wife. I'm not saying the wife, right? I gotta gotta stop doing that. She really doesn't appreciate that. Oh my yeah, that's, yeah. Cut that out. <laughs> my wife uh, and I. My wife, not yours. <laughs> not yours. Uh, you know, so we go down to City Market Saturday morning. She goes, "Let's go down to City Market get some vegetables." And I was like, "Okay, let's do it." Uh, which is great. City Market's, you know, I mean, it's a very unique portion of Kansas City, and hopefully, we'll talk to somebody. Uh, there in one of our upcoming episodes but uh i get down there i'm driving us down there and we go it's really busy so what does that mean down in the city market when it's really busy when you arrive on scene where are you gonna park right and that becomes and it's not fun everywhere in kansas city there's a lot of one ways there's a lot of little nooks and crannies of parking lots that some are okay to park in and some are not right and then some of the stalls in there are okay to park in and some are not and some of them are okay to park there for free now but not after this time right so it's a you know it can be a frustrating experience especially when you're old and cranky and a little bit of that i was like see see this is why i don't like doing these things (laughs) right as soon as i'm on site pro tip Here's a pro tip for you. Next time you go to the city market like that, go park at uh, Union Station for free on the weekend and then take the streetcar from Union Station to the city market. I guess I don't know how the streetcar works because I haven't done that. You pay when you, you get on there You haven't been on the streetcar yet? No. Is, is there like a little- They just, uh, they just did a, a special election. They're going to yeah. expand it too. That's uh, great. Yeah. So you park on the- Like what we do is- or what we have done is we'll go to Union Station. It's free parking, right? Okay. Or Crown Center, either one, right? Right. You park there. Right. You enjoy those two areas, right? Sure. So you walk through Crayola. You walk through um, some of the fun shops in Crown Center. Then you look at the crazy fun artwork and things at Union Station. Then you jump on the the uh, streetcar. Streetcar just takes you all the way down. Now it'll make a stop at Power and Light. It'll make a stop X, Y, and Z. But then it goes down and it ends at the city market. So then you just jump off, enjoy the whole city market, get right. whatever you need, jump back yep. on. Well, we there. were we had some things to do because later that day we were going to watch a K-State game, which did not end well. Uh, the bad guys won. And then uh, 
you know, and we had some stuff to do around the house, so we were going to go there, get some veggies, and get out of there. Although we did have a fun time. Uh, saw a little one-man band kind of a guy going on. Saw a guy I work with. Uh, didn't say hi to him. Told him that today. I said, hey, I saw you at City Market. And he says, oh, hey. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, I didn't want to talk to you, so I didn't go I didn't go up to you. Hey, no, well, I'm here's a question. <laughs> yeah. Perfect question for you then. Because I, 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 I'm old, and I don't know what to do. Uh-huh. How do you make friends as an adult with other guys well i met you as an adult right and that came through work i feel like a lot of it comes through work right now that's not my question that's not my question not not like hey man we sit next to each other and we have lunch i'm saying like let's say you go to a local bar right and you strike up a conversation for you let's just say with another k-state fan yeah who happens to be a guy that's just drinking a beer there too uh-huh. What's how do you make I don't have any friends. How do you make friends as an yeah, adult? I don't know because like yeah, if let's say I go there's a uh, I used to live in Olathe. I don't now, but I used to live in Olathe. There's a bar called Dub V's there and I god, I think that's right. And it's K-State bar, right? And we went there to watch a game. Uh now this was me and my wife. But had, let's say I was just like, eh, wife's out of town or something. My wife, not the wife, is out of town. And I'm going to go watch a game. I'm going to go down to Dub V's. And I see some dude there, right? I don't know. Let's say for the sake of argument, he's just some guy, right? I, I don't even know his name. But we happen to be sitting at the bar and we're watching the game. So we just start, you know, talking as you would. Like, oh, did you see that touchdown? That was amazing. Hey, where'd you, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, well, I went to school there at whatever, right? How you would strike up a conversation. But how do you then go, hey, do you want to, like, you know what I mean? Are you on Facebook? That seems weird, right? Like, what do well, you do? Yeah. Or do you ask for his number? Because yeah. then, like, you're, does he you're think not like oh no on a date? yeah does he think he this was right yeah right yeah that's but you a want little a tough friend thing. yeah I haven't had that problem I'm making enough friends at work that I don't got to worry about that what so the one other guy I'm you're, just you're kidding. really good friends no with? I'm just kidding you're my only friend uh so <laughs> no I don't know I also don't have a lot of time to uh keep f- friendships going. You know, uh-huh. I'm, I'm well, they said, did you see there's a Harvard study that said one of the keys to happiness uh-huh. is to not isolate yourself from oh, for society. Sure. Oh, for sure. And we don't. And I mean, I, I guess I do. I do see Hold some on, friends. No, 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 yeah. no, not a we thing. You. Sure. OK. Uh, I uh, don't. You know, I mean, I, I we do this. You and I do uh, this mm-hmm. whole podcast thing that we've been doing. This may be. Uh, early stages of Tim and Tom here, but we've been podcasting for years. Uh, so that's been a lot of where I get out of my family rut, you know, get out of work, uh, right. things like that. Um, and some other little things like that. Uh, done the know. NWL just, thing. Up down, like, the- there were some cool people at First Fridays that mm-hmm. I was talking to, uh, like in some art galleries and stuff. And I was just in the back of my mind, it was almost – not to say that it was the same thing, but it was almost to the effect of like, you know, when you meet a a, a girl and you're yeah. like, when do I ask for the number thing? Except for in this case, I was like, I don't know what the next step is. You know what? You know what I want? Here's what I want to do. All right. I want our listeners uh, to to talk to us here. I want them to interact. Uh, have you thought about this yourselves? Have you done this? Do you meet strangers and ask them like, "Hey, can we be friends later?" Like, can I? Can we? Are you on Twitter? Like, what? Do you, what do you say? How does that happen? Do you have to have seen somebody 
multiple times before you can ask that? Is that like a rule of society right now? It's weird if it's the first time I met you, even if we've only hung out, like let's say we hung out all night, three, four hours watching a game, but this is the first time I met you. I might not even know your name, right? You might have told it to me, mm-hmm. but well, if I remember that, I'm, I only think about myself. You know, like it, it's that night. It feels weird for you to ask me, Inf- private information like that, like contact information, like, whoa, man, I don't want you following me. On- you might not like to follow me on Facebook, right? Like, I don't know that I want to see your Farmville invites. That's a dated reference, but uh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, ah, right? But That's if what it's- I'm saying. What do you but do? But if it's-, if it's midway through the season, to keep the football frame of reference here, and it's the third game, well, then I'd be like, hey, you know, I might know your name then, Steve. Let's, uh, you know. Hey, you on Facebook, Steve, right? Or whatever, you know, but it's weird. Can you do that? Let us know. So we're on Twitter, Facebook, at Tim and Tom KC. Our email is timandtomkc at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any examples of that or tips, right? How can Tom meet friends? Yep. Or Tim. Yeah. You can need some friends too. <laughs> sure. I don't want to be your crutch. Sure. Hashtag help Tim and Tom make friends, right? Let us know, right? Give us a clue uh, how that happens in 2017. Yes. All right. Hey, you want to get in some headlines? Let's do it. Hey, so, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about our weeks and what they were. Uh, yeah. They were okay. Sounds uh-huh. like first Fridays for me, city market for you. Uh-huh. Uh, you uh, acting like a teenager and uh, drinking your weight yeah. Listen, in ounces. At b- before beer. we get into that, back to that, uh, my neighbor. We've got to talk about my neighbor. Adam the neighbor here, right? They, they've learned of my podcasting ways. And... Uh, they ask every time now. They're like, "Is this going on the podcast?" Anytime, you know, they're like, they just kind of dejectedly, like, uh, uh. "It's a fun time." Every time I go over there, went over there again, uh, met some of their friends. These people are always smiling, always having a good time. We go over there. Uh, Adam, the neighbor, we'll have to. Uh, Tom, you'll have to come over and meet Adam, the neighbor. Uh, but I did wind up getting so drunk that when we walked back to like check and let the dogs out and stuff like that. So again, for people who don't know, uh, I live out on a large piece of land and it is a long distance to get over to the neighbors, but we don't go on the street or anything. Right. We just cross over the fields. Uh, uh, I was drinking and I walked back over to check on the dogs and I didn't want to walk all the way back. So I took my lawnmower. Right. I don't know if that's illegal. I don't know if I'm, you know what I mean? If I'm going to get arrested for saying that. So there I am, right? (laughs) We live, hold on, we live in just such contrasting neighborhoods. (laughs) I don't live in a neighborhood. Like, it's not a thing. Yeah, yeah, I live, yeah, I live on streets. (laughs) You're taking your. Yeah, I wrote, well, okay, so we have, a, we have a four-wheeler, right, an ATV, all-terrain vehicle, and it's got two flat, front, excuse me, two flat tires on the front, right? And uh, we need to go take it somewhere and get the tires replaced, because I, I don't do that, right? I'm not like, you know what I mean? I'm not Mr. Manly, rugged country boy here. We just recently moved out to this, this area, and I was like, I don't want to walk all the way over there. And my wife's like, well, we're not going to take the four-wheeler. It's flat. And I was like... Well, it was like, you know, the truck. She was like, you are not driving the truck, right? You know, she goes, you are not driving the truck. And I was like, well, I'm taking the mower. And she was like, okay, this could be fun. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And we get on it, right? And we're holding more beer and she's got some wine. And it's one of those riding mowers where you've got the two kind of the sticks. It doesn't have a wheel, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And you, it's oh, a yeah. zero turn. Well, you've got to like squeeze those in 
and, and then towards you, which is near impossible when there's two of you sitting on it, right? <laughs> so here yeah. we go, riding over. And, of course, the neighbors love it because they're all rowdy and having a good time and all their friends are over there. So, yeah, it was a fun time. Adam, the neighbor, we'll have to uh, maybe even get him on to – yeah, you'll love him, Tom. What uh, a great picture you painted there where two <laughs> of you are on a zero-turn <laughs> mower trying to get to his – I can just imagine you yeah. guys coming like up upon a hill. Yeah, like, which it is. It absolutely well, – and it's so – much slower with two people on it right so yeah. we're just like crawling yeah, yeah. that's how it happens yeah, it was super fun yeah all right so yeah i paid for it dearly the Headlines. next day yeah uh our week says i mentioned not the worst no pretty fun mm-hmm. right good times uh but they're definitely better than miami dolphins <laughs> offensive lineman chris forrester did you hear about that oh did i hear about it and the video is super fun um it's super fun. You'll find that. You'll <laughs> yeah. find the video Gosh. on Google. Uh, just Google it. You'll find out. But uh, offensive line coach in more ways than one, Chris Forrester. Offensive uh, line coach. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was a line coach in more ways than one, if yeah. you want to hear right. this story. Right. Um, uh, a video surfaced of him doing cocaine at his office that mm. he sent to a lady of the night. Stating. A, is before his meeting like i'm gonna do these lines before i go yeah. into my meeting yeah yeah i oh. mean that's absurd just right there in the, the first <laughs> yeah. hand but yeah. uh yeah and then he has now resigned and the lady of the night as uh mm. she likes mm. to be referred to as um said, wait hold on she likes so to be referred to as lady of the night yeah i well she said that she is a lady of okay the night. right a lady of the night, but right. she. But that's her term. Story. Right. Yeah, I heard an interview <laughs> with uh, Dan Lebetard that she did, and that's what she referred to herself as, and that's a professional great. dancer. I like it. Um, but yeah, so what do you? There's so many layers to this, and oh, lines. So uh, many. Always in one, but <laughs> like, what do you think about this? <laughs> so many. Um, first of all. Uh, he, this guy put himself in this situation, man. You're lying. You're having an affair. You're, you know, I mean, you're doing drugs at work. Obviously, there's a, there's a, you know, problem there. You're gonna say, you know, because you're doing it at work before you're going into meetings, right? Say what you want about, you know, his illicit drug use. If he was doing it at home, you know, on a weekend night or whatever. But this is obviously venturing into abuse if you're sitting here doing it before work meetings. So, uh, hopefully, he'll get some help there. But, uh. Man, you just you you set yourself up for a great fall here, right? You gave this woman that you're paying money to, uh, this lady of the night, and you then just also gave her so much power, man. Uh, a video of you doing drugs at work, at work, but b- before work functions. It's not like hey, it was the end of the day on my way out. I, you know, bumped a rail off the. Not that I know any of these terms. Bumped a rail off the desk and called my stripper prostitute friend. Like I. <laughs> And then I videotape myself and like, I, man, I don't know, man. It, it seems again, you know, these decisions weren't made obviously in the right frame of mind. So, you know, it's it, somewhat hard to Seems chastise like he was in him, love. But, yeah. Well, and who knows what he was feeling? I mean, and that's not to say, look, I, I'm not going to say that I don't understand, you know, that maybe he's got some things in his life that he's not happy about. And so he he was trying to cope with it in those ways. I don't know anything about the guy. I don't want to like chastise him. I've certainly been far from a saint 
in this world, right? More on that later throughout Tim and Tom. Uh, you know, like I haven't been the greatest person of all my time, so I'm not judging him in anything, but like, man, you really set yourself up for great, especially in 2017. You're going to send a video to somebody. Of well, yourself, the poor like, Dolphins, their offensive linemen have been making more headlines than blocks, it seems like, in the recent three years. Because <laughs> now you have this, right? Yeah, uh-huh. So you have the offensive line coach who is known for keeping his head down and staying late at work. That's the Dolphins' words, not yeah, ours. Right. Then you have Richie Incognito with the bullying two mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. And then you had the other guy who went AWOL before the season started and just found himself in New York and they suspended him. Yeah. And it's just. Well, and you got to sit there and you got to sit there and watch the Chiefs be amazing and know that you pale in comparison to them. I mean, that's got to hurt also. Yeah. Best team in football. Hey, let's get into another story. Yes. Did you hear about this one? And this is kind of dated, but it came across. my eyes, and I felt like we had to share it on Tim <laughs> yeah. and Tom. Okay, still, you're right. It's in the same vein. We're talking football, so let's do this. Yeah. So the Atlanta Falcons, right? Coming off of that heartbreaking loss, up 28 to 3 in the third quarter, end up losing the game <laughs> to uh, <sighs> the bad guys, the right. New England Patriots, in many right. people's eyes, right? It's the, it's so the, do do? it's the, the Warriors blew a 3 1 lead of football, right? Way worse. Than way worse, even. All right. Way worse. Way worse. Like the amount of time. No, way worse. Okay. Do you think it's way worse? What uh, What are you saying is way worse? What's more embarrassing? I think it's the more Super embarrassing Bowl to lose twenty or to lose twenty or lose the Super Bowl when you're up twenty eight to three in the third quarter. Right. Oh, I agree with you. But I'm just saying okay. it's it's like the you know it's the never live it down heartbreak of like you guys. Oh, that is worst, will always be yeah, known. Right. Yeah, 28 to 3. You can text people that who watch sports and they'll know exactly what you're talking about. Anyhow, so what would you think they would do coming off that heartbreaking loss? Obviously, they'll make a new stadium. Yes. Because that's what you do. And right? it's glorious, by the way. That thing is oh, amazing. Oh, my goodness. If you haven't seen this stadium, Google it. Uh, it looks – the top of it looks like a camera lens, mm-hmm. like, you know, with the shutter and yep. stuff, like how you can move it in and out. Right. It has LED screens all around the top part of the uh, of the building so you can see what's going on in the field up yeah. there if you're, you know, in a, yeah. it's a place Coliseum. where this you can't really see the field that well. Yeah. All of this amazing stuff, right? So with this amazing stuff comes new vendors, obviously, right? And of course. I lived in Atlanta. I loved Atlanta. You know what was great in Atlanta? Hmm. Chick-fil-A. Uh-huh. So, of course, let's add Chick-fil-A of course. into the Falcon Stadium. Sounds like a great plan. Now, Tim, I'll ask you a question about Chick-fil-A. Do you uh-huh. eat there first? Do um, you eat there? I... <sighs> Yeah, yeah, I haven't ate there in a while. Uh, it's not as good in Kansas City as it is in Atlanta. Well, I'll just say that. I stopped but, eating there after their thing that came out, not you know, a couple years back, you know. Um, but I have had a time or two since then too. So, so yeah, I uh, sure right. Moving on, but I just right. Yeah, the Falcons. So, right. When do they play? Mm-hmm. Typically, they play typically an NFL season. You would play on. Sundays. Well, what is Chick Fil A known for other than Not amazing being open on Sunday? So, so they say, so "Oh yeah, two, we're still not gonna be open." <laughs> two Sunday. and two equals closed on Sundays when you have the biggest audience yeah. available and at your venue. And the Falcons, if I remember correctly from the story, had all season. One game that was not on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I think they game. have a Monday night game. 
And so they will be open on that Monday night, which get in line now uh, because that chicken is worth it. Um, I get get Chick-fil-A wanting to say, I mean, it it sounds noble enough to say, no, we want Sundays to be for our, uh, we're family based. We'd like our employees to have a day where, you know, they know they can have off so they can spend time with families and stuff, right? Great. Understand that. But you could also say, hey, at our one location, if anybody wants to, right? Nobody has to be forced to, but if anybody wants to, they could earn, I don't know, triple time or whatever, right? You know what I mean? Like some people don't give a crap. Some people don't have families. It just seems weird that you would be in there where, yes, there's going to be plenty of other events at that stadium. But like you said, the majority of ones that you know are going to sell out. And are going to be there every week. Even the ones, even outside of NFL season, one of the days that you can almost guarantee year round is going to be booked is a Sunday, in a in an event center. You know, but you're not there. Yeah. Like it's weird. Yep. So yeah, there you go. Those, there's my headlines. What do you got? You got anything for us? You know, nothing else stuck out to me other than uh, the U.S. men's national team in soccer kind of seemingly tired. seemingly letting uh, everyone down. No. I, I, okay, let this die now. Soccer, you're you're done. You're done in America. Okay. Yeah. You're dead. So here's a. I, I was listening to the sports radio guys here uh, today, and I don't remember exactly which station, but uh, one of them kind of brought up. He says, "Look, man. He goes, t- all of our best athletes are playing other sports, and that's just why we don't compete on the national level or the international level is because you know we don't have LeBron out there at goalie, right? He's yeah, he's playing basketball. No, that's no. I disagree with that because. With how much money is spent on the soccer program, yes, LeBron James isn't, but there are tremendous athletes that are better than Trinidad and Tobago, especially because of the facilities and money put into the program and facilities and one-on-one I don't know uh, if that's true, though. Time. I don't know if that's true because I was just listening to— Oh, it's completely true. Well, but I was just listening to some of the soccer people here that say that the quality of play still has a long way to go in U.S. MLS uh, soccer. Like it's still well, not up to par as far as the skill pe- people because the skilled position like the goalie uh, right. Howard plays right. internationally. So, so his point there on the radio station is that had for the last let's say since 1980 these current athletes that might be in their you know top prime anybody born after 1980 had they only in the United States grown up really only playing soccer right without they all these other options. Out. Well, but that would have been like the other. Uh, sports or, or like the other countries playing soccer and thus all of our best athletes the pool is then it'd be more like an olympics like when our dream team goes over there and wins every single time. yeah no nah, i'm not buying that I, here's what i'm saying about soccer i'm tired of hearing about the, the soccer is growing oh the the soccer is is the fastest growing sport in america oh you won't believe we've got freddie adu and he's gonna take over oh landon <laughs> donovan's the only one that's ever been good the rest of the team is is hot mess i'm tired of them you're done soccer you're a fun sport to view, but in America, you're always going to be number six. So just understand uh, your spot. And let's stop with this weird fascination that, oh, the next one is going to be it, right? Like our best player now, because we didn't make the World Cup, won't be in the World Cup till he's 24. He's 17 right now or 18 right now. So he won't be in there until he's 24. So I'm done. And that's the best player, and he won't be in there until the 24. World Cup is where you prove it. So I'm just tired of it. I don't I, come at me when we win something because I'm <laughs> I'm exhausted with. Hey guys, hey hey hey. I know that soccer's on the come up, but wait 
till this yeah. next game. When we beat fill in the blank, we're yeah. going to take over. And I it's think never going to happen. Yeah, I think what people are missing is that it may happen, but not anytime soon. This is a slow process. Yes, more kids are playing soccer growing up. Yes, it's becoming a more accepted, regular played, you know, sport over time. So who knows in 60 Done. years, right? You know, it's who done. knows? Who knows? I, I know. Mean, things grow over time. I know. But do you? Yep, it's done. It's done, huh? Right here. RIP so, soccer. Well, here's National another thing, soccer. too. Here's something, too. We may, even in our lifetimes, see something that brings about the end of American football as we know it, right? Yeah. yeah. Nope. Oh, uh, yeah. There, there very well may be something. So then that opens the door for increased participation in nope. soccer. But at any rate, sounds like they let everybody down. Everybody wants them fired. You know the knee jerk reaction. So uh, there was that. That was fun to see. Soccer's done. Yeah, soccer's dead. Soccer's dead. Soccer's we, dead. Episode two. It. Tim and Tom. Soccer's dead. We pronounce it. That said, I'm gonna try to go to a, a sporting KC game. They are fun. I mean, soccer's not. Oh yeah, not, I yeah. love going to the games. Yeah. Although soccer, here, here here's where you're losing me. Let's get into this just real quick. <laughs> yeah. Soccer. This is where you're losing me. If I'm pay- how much is a ticket? Do you know? I, I don't uh, know. I think Sporting KC get thirty five bucks, something like that. Forty okay. bucks, yeah. If I'm spending thirty five dollars soccer, yeah. Then when I leave, the score better be different than when I arrived. <laughs> okay, I'm not paying you thirty five dollars uh, and leaving, yeah. and it was zero zero. Yeah, well, I mean, nope. I will. Give, so it's a more long-term sport. It's kind of like a baseball, right? So they got to have more games so that that kind of stuff can add up over time. If uh, you could see me, if we were doing a video, I'm just shaking my head in disapproval. Uh, yeah. I, no, because when I'm there that night, that is all that matters. I do not care about two weeks from now. I don't care about two weeks before. I paid money to see a victor. <laughs> Well, maybe you didn't though. You came to see the game, and there's you can still you can tie zero to zero, and that still awards you points in your standings. Nope, that's inconclusive. I want to know who the best team is that night. Well, there wasn't. That's the, I want my money back. Well, but that that's the thing is, uh, the reality of it was neither team was better that night. We nope. can't force it. I need nope. In any competition, you always find out who the better person is. <laughs> if you're a real competitor, you want to know. So by now the they do. Time. Yeah. What I what I think they could do to resolve some of that is like when you get to the World Cup, they have a way to do tiebreakers when they're in, when you're they're right. in that tournament thing. The so World do, Cup's great. Right. So do that every time. Yes. Give me a winner and a loser every time. I where would at be least so much where more I guaranteed invested. somebody's going to get a point at least. Somebody's going to at least get one mm-hmm. point. Yeah, do a right. shootout. I don't care if every game that's a 0-0-1-1 tie ends in a shootout. Right, Just or give me fist a fight or something, right? Like, I mean, you know what I did like? And again, I, I'm new to really watching soccer. What I like is they've got a max amount of subs, and if you use it and somebody gets hurt, tough. You are now playing with 10 guys on the field, right? Here's another thing I don't like about soccer. Here you go. Here's another thing I don't like about soccer. Okay. This added time that only the refs know about. God, I hate that. It is yeah. 2017. We don't need to do that. Yeah. Like you're looking at the clock and it's five, four, three. Yeah. Two more minutes. Okay. Who knows? I guess we have two more minutes. Yes. And that bothers me so much because you could tell me before. You, you know what I mean? Like stop doing that because there was also I was watching this game and they did that. It, this game, it went to the 90th minute and then they added five minutes. Well, this team was up one nothing. So their strategy was stall the game. Right. 
Stall yep. the game. So every time they hit the deck, oh, man, my knee hurts, right? Oh, I need the trainer to come out and check on me. And so they go, okay, we're in the five-minute extra time. It goes up to, you know, it counts up to five, whatever the hell they count it up for whatever you count down. Uh, and and then they go, uh, two more. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, when is the end nope. of the game? And you could have stopped the clock when the guy started going, ah, oh, my knee. So and- some guy's going, well, and they try to take into account. He's not thinking, okay, I feel like there was 27 minutes where the clock stopped. They do account for, okay, well, we allow some natural time where the ball's not in play, right? And the clock to be rolling. But what I'm guesstimating is the excess amount, right? The stuff that took too long. Well, stop. Oh. You don't have to do that. It's way easier to have a clock operator and you stop the clock. I don't like it. Last like point it. I'll make also about soccer, what I don't like, offsides is the dumbest rule in organized sports. I had a guy explain that to me really well, and uh, it, made, it made a lot of sense. No, hear this one out. The goal nope. right in, in that level of soccer is a lot of ground to cover for the goalie, right? And it became too easy. They would just pack everybody around there, and it the game suddenly becomes – 20 to 19 and it's it's just way too easy and there's no defense at the goal at that point that doesn't make any sense because then basketball would have be, be the same thing basketball would be, they would just stand by the goal the entire time if that was the case <laughs> no that doesn't there make is any sense. no there is a much larger ground to cover for the single goalie who's the only one who can stop that ball going at the goal there is a the much larger ground in, but in basketball, the the lane is right there. The goal is only so the hole is only so right. big, right? With right. with soccer, you're shooting on goal, and the goalie's the only one to be there, and he's got to cover feet instead of well, then, a couple of that, inches. Hold on, but that's no, I disagree because then you can have a defender help the goalie. Yeah. The goalie isn't the only person that defends the ball. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I maybe I'll hook you up with that other guy to explain it a little better. But it made a lot more sense when he explained it to me, and uh, I'm sure that the people who handle soccer rules probably know a little more about this. Yeah, hey, I know the guy that <laughs> right. uh, is the communications director for Sporting KC. I'll try to get in contact yes. with him. He can and maybe defend he can his explain it. wonderful and, sport. And I get it. Yes, uh, that really drags the score down. Now, he said it's much more easy to understand when you watch high-level soccer like that. He says the problem is people really get confused by it. Uh, growing up watching like youth soccer because he was like kids would do it every time. You could just call it every time, right? So they don't call it every time. So then you're confused. You're like, well, why'd you call it there, right? And he's like, it's one of the most contentious rules in in soccer because it's hard to to know. Also, you know, what I mean, like when they were offsides without really, you know, it's in the moment and you're not. Same thing. There's not like a yard line, so you can't know when the guy was technically behind him when he shot. So it's kind of a mess. But yeah, soccer. There's a lot to. I, I, a lot of it's. It sounds like because you don't understand. You don't understand. R.I.P. It's done. <laughs> Soccer's dead. Soccer's, Soccer's dead. dead. Heard it here first. Heard it here. Tim and Tom. Breaking news. So we, man, we, gosh, did we've got Laura vote of the World War One Museum coming up in the next segment. Did we mention that yet already? If not, not we're yet. terrible we hosts. We are terrible hosts if we didn't mention that earlier. Uh, this interview coming up over the break, uh, after the break, is. It's great. We already did it. We like to let the interviewees get to get their night on. You know, what I mean? they don't have to sit here all night waiting for us to get to the first segment. Uh, but this is informative uh, and it's fun. She's a real fun personality. We had a blast. Don't you agree? I love the interview. I learned a lot. Uh, you're going to hear about Winnie the Pooh tattoos, tanks, 
and poems and uh, posters. What right. more do you need? Right. It's <laughs> it's all in there. So stay with us through the break, and uh, we'll come back and talk to Laura Vogt of the World War One Museum. Hey, humans share 50% of their DNA with bananas. Tim and Tom. Tim. Tom. Tim and 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 Tom. Uh, back again, Tim and Tom. This is fun. I'm excited. I'm ready to talk about this topic. I, I, this I'm ready one, to learn. This is yeah. I'm ready to learn. This is one that I brought up to you when we first sat down. We were like, "Hey, we're bringing this back. Uh, we're going to do the show. We're going to talk to some folks around Kansas City, some important landmarks, some of their representatives. Who we can talk about?" And this is one of the first ones I brought up because I honestly want to know more about it. And uh, it's the World War One Museum, the National World War One Museum and Memorial. We have Laura Vote. Laura Vote. We went over this over the break. Got to make sure I say it right. <laughs> it's the museum's curator of education. How are you? Uh, I'm doing really well. How are you all? Doing great. Hey, so let's just jump right into this because, as we mentioned, we are really interested about uh, the National War- World War One Museum. But I guess our first question, and maybe this is just uh, being unknowledgeable on the subject, but why Kansas City for the National World War One Museum? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, and, and it really comes down to the civic mindedness of Kansas Cityans. Uh, two weeks after the armistice was signed, Kansas Cityans came together and they wanted to create a memorial for those who had lived through and those who died during the World War. Uh, and that was back in 1919. Uh, we just kind of made some, some movements forward. They, uh, we managed to raise $2.5 million in 10 days. Uh, which is about $34 million mm-hmm. in today's dollar, yeah. that, which that if it? you guys know anyone who'd like to do that, uh, <laughs> we would be happy to have that uh, have that extended conversation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, that's it. Kansas City is the ones who came together, and they wanted to create the space, and they raised the money to do it. And uh, within less than 10 years from when we entered into the war, this magnificent space in the heart of America, right across from one of the busiest railroad stations uh, in the nation at the time, that's where this memorial, the nation's memorial to you know, the worst war the world had ever seen, opened uh, with the tower that you can ride up in and the two original exterior buildings and the two Assyrian sphinxes. It's really a lovely, lovely construction. So kind of touching on that real quick, uh, it is a beautiful building and whole lot that it's on. It's also one of the iconic views in the city to look from. How do you, is that, is that a weird dichotomy that you guys have to deal with? Do you get a lot of visitors just there to take pictures and stuff? Yeah, it's a great thing, actually. Mm. I, I think that that should happen 
as often as possible for mm. a memorial, particularly a war memorial. You want it to be a space that people want to go to and that they are are walking across. I mean, folks will come here not even realizing what this beautiful space is, and then they get drawn into the story. They get drawn into the remembrance um, that those 90 years ago uh, built. So it it's it's a fabulous thing that we have uh, this space and that we've got so many visitors who come onto our grounds and, and take in the beautiful vista of the Kansas City skyline. Uh, and it's also a really fantastic place to uh, celebrate a World Series win, if I must say so myself. <laughs> yeah, I was actually there uh, during – I was at that spot uh, during the uh, the parade. So, yeah, I agree. It was it was definitely a great spot to see a parade. Um, so my question about the World War One Museum – uh, tell people who haven't been there yet, like what's some of the, the things they have to see when they're there? Like, is there uh, a specific uh, story that, you know, is uh, available to read or what, what's the, the hook for the World War One Museum? Oh, there's so many. Um, less than 10% of our collection is on display at any one time. So I couldn't even tell you exactly what is going to be inside uh, any of the the galleries uh, when when folks are coming through um, per se, but things that people really seem to love, and at least one of them is not going to be moving anytime soon, uh, would be things like our our phenomenal tank. It's a Renault tank uh, that had been out on the battlefield. It is uh, not something you see very often. Uh, anywhere around the world, and it is wonderful that we have it here. I mean, you just look at the size of it mm-hmm. and imagine, you know, one of these, yeah, uh, one of these uh, young men kind of, kind of having to curl up to get inside, uh, and then looking through the slits to just see how uh, limited the view was as they're trying to keep their own life and defend, um, you know, their, their homeland is, it's really stunning. Um, if, if folks really like technology or, you know, we've got the art, the artillery guns and, uh, things along that line. If what people are, are moved by is art, I, the poster collection here is really one of the best in the world. Uh, we've got posters, original, and, and it's all original. Everything inside the, the gallery is from that, that time frame. Um, the, these posters, you've got Italian and German and British, um, just some really lovely things. I think a lot of folks think that that um, Uncle Sam poster, We Want You, uh, is a World mm-hmm. War II poster, but it's actually uh, an original piece by James Montgomery Flagg. We've got that uh, inside wow. one of the original prints inside the, the main gallery, and there is a beautiful painting uh, upstairs in Memory Hall called the Pantheon de la Guerre, which is a uh, oil painting and, and actually started out as one of the world's largest oil paintings uh, and through a pretty incredible story. We now have it here uh, and really depicts the, the different uh, individuals and heroes on the Allied side of, uh, of the war. So you mentioned about how there's only 10% uh, at one time shown of the World War I artifacts that you have. How does that get mm-hmm. um, I guess cycled through? Is it like every three months you're putting stuff in and taking stuff out or is that just kind of based on a feel? 
a great question. So we we have um, the most global collection of World War artifacts in the world. Um, everything from a um, you know a South African kilt uh, to uh, a Japanese uniform uh, to a variety of amazing artifacts right now from from Russia that's in our Revolutions 1917 exhibition. Uh, we really tell the world story. So um, part of it rotates because of the rotating exhibitions that we tell. Uh, we've got uh, Memory Hall, and right now we're, we're looking at posters and uh, posters as munitions. And, and um, then we have Revolutions 1917 in Exhibit Hall and really looking at the events of 1917. So focusing in on Russia, but also the story of African Americans and women. Uh, you know, I, I, I laughed before uh, with you all about my, you know, you say my name vote like you vote for president, but you know, in 1917, women couldn't vote for president. There's a mm -hmm. whole revolution that's trying to, to go on uh, to uh, get women the right to vote inside the United States. Um, so we've got different um, artifacts that, that we can pull out from our collection to help tell those stories. And downstairs on the research level in our Ellis Gallery, it's, we're constantly uh, rotating some of our, uh, really our, our two-dimensional um, objects. Many of those are art. Right now we've got a, a beautiful collection on, um, of children's art on display that's actually a loan from the Momart Historical Society. Uh, it was the fact that children drew about their feelings and their experiences of watching U.S. doughboys coming mm -hmm. into their city. Um, it's it's a wonderful way to tell part of the story of the U.S. entry into World War One. So, uh, part of it is just by this rotation of the stories that we tell and the exhibitions that are going on. Some of it is just museum science. Um, there are uh, certain things that. Um, you can keep out uh, and in the light longer than others. Uh, and there is uh, there's some wonderful books and things like that about kind of when and how you want to keep things um, keep things out and if they start to, to shift or things like that. But, mm -hmm. but when this was built, we actually built the exhibition, uh, the main gallery space with Ralph Applebaum and Associates. And we, we have some of... Um, We've got some really fantastic cases and uh, UV uh, protection and and the like. So we really are um, we really are trying to keep this collection um, good until you know the end of time. That's sure. our that's our job. So how do you balance? I mean, obviously this is a really somber subject, is World War One, and you need to do justice to that, but you also don't want people's takeaway to be every time I go to the World War One Museum I leave crying my eyes out I'm not going back to that place so how do you <laughs> right I mean how do that's got to be a very difficult task isn't it oh <laughs> uh, yes okay. yes it is um <laughs> yes. part of how we do that though if, if you think through I mean, just open up the newspaper to the things that are going on today. Sure. There are things that we should all be crying our eyes out over. Mm -hmm. And so part of our job is to share uh, the, the terrible things that were happening in, in the war and uh, 
just as we kind of engage our own present, we also look at some of the amazing things and the, and the heroes and the stories uh, that come out of that time frame and the innovations. Mm -hmm. uh, with our public programs, um, we have told the story of how World War I changed um, tattoos and how society perceived tattoos and, and how society uh, and really the undergarments of uh, the United States. There's all sorts of ways that World War I has really had an enduring impact uh, on our nation, and many of them are quite unexpected uh, and not quite as heavy as um, looking at uh, the death tolls and uh, the, the terrible things that, sure. that happened. Well, jumping into kind of specifically what you do, you know, World War One is and as it should be taught, you know, in American school systems. And so we kind of all grown up, you know, learning about World War One. But with your job specifically, was there anything that jumped out to you? I mean, you just mentioned about tattoos, which jumped out to us. But <laughs> what was the one thing that like that, you know, made you do a double take about this war from, you know, being in this position that you're in? It, it uh, on a weekly basis, it's a, it's amazing whether or not it's the it, we've got a beautiful diary of this man. Uh, he, you can read it uh, how he falls in love with his wife, uh, this American volunteer who falls in love with a Scottish nurse, and then the, the, how the rest of his story goes. I mean, you just. Uh, you get taken in by uh, by some of those things and and things like um, the little black dress. Uh, really, it, it's it's quite informed by and uh, Coco Chanel was was quite informed by uh, the fact that everybody in France was wearing black out of mourning, and so that was one mm. of the mm. um, kind of part of that impetus for uh, for that. So. Um, there's just a, there's a lot, uh, I, I wish I, had I not just left it, I had, uh, we actually just <laughs> had a lecture here this, uh, today, this evening. Um, so my mind's thinking a little bit more about the German home front, and we were talking about uh, how even 100 years ago, uh, we had the, the concept of fake news. Mm -hmm. um, so there's just <laughs> so many similarities. You catch me next week, I'll have a different example. That's great. So, okay, as Tom alluded to here, we, we grow up learning about World War One, but I feel like mm -hmm. I learn more and we see so much more in the media about World War Two. Does that ever get under you guys' skin? Are you getting on any Twitter wars with World War Two museums or or do you, do you focus? Right. Same wars between us and the National World War Two Museum. Right. <laughs> or does it Not like do you, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean just do you guys address that at all or does that ever come up or right um yeah well, we're like man you're you're the more popular war it doesn't it, in in odd ways uh, i guess um or in different ways it's it's a benefit in my particular position and it's not that um it's not that it's the more important war, but in some ways it, it is actually the more popular war in our media. Right. I think I could ask anyone uh, their top five favorite World War II movies in the United States, and, and people right. could just rattle those off. Well, uh, yeah. I think if I were to ask the same question about World War I in the U.S. Now, Britain is a different matter. It, uh, it's a little more 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a little more challenged. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't uh, even think about the movies in that aspect. Yeah. When you think about it, so there's this concept of public memory. Um, you know, I, I haven't met you guys in person yet, um, but I'm going to guess that neither of you were old enough to have served in World War II. Nope. Um, but we all have this kind of public, we've got this memory of what World War II right. was, like what the fashion of it was, what uh, what the battles were, what motivated people, all these things, though we didn't live through it. We've got mm-hmm. this kind of public memory. Um, it, it's been passed down to us, and part of that is through the movies. Right. And so in the United States, um, Far more so than many other nations like, you know, Great Britain or France or Belgium, Australia, Turkey, you know, all of these other nations, for them, there's a greater public memory um, for World War I, mm-hmm. not to say that it was uh, greater than World War II, but, but for World War I, in part, it, it's, because of, it's because of media and the like. The great thing in my job, though, is that people come in wanting to learn. Uh, they don't come in with uh, the uh, a concept of I know all of these things, um, you know, and and they've got these set ideas already. It it means that people can be more open to um, a, a larger story uh, than what they might have you know encountered earlier on in life. So. Yeah. All right. So you're not mad about them calling the greatest generation the people that served in World War II or nothing like that. <laughs> Uh, no, not mad at that at all. Okay. So <laughs> now, yeah. you could make a, you could, I, I think, defend a, a thesis that uh, World War One, uh, uh, those folks might be considered uh, part of the uh, a great generation or well, some sure, other lovely accolade as well. Yeah, I just it's it it just kind of stuck out to me, and that's what, one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you guys here is just because I thought, man, I feel like I'm inundated with information about World War II, and you have to seek yeah. out the information on World War One. so it's kind of what we're doing here. Oh, which, is, which is a bit of a shame, because mm-hmm. I would argue that anytime you, I mean, you could open up the front page, and, and there is something on the front page of our newspaper that has to do or has its roots in World War One. Um, and that if we understood that point in time in history a bit more mm-hmm. uh, and that we recognized some of that, we would be better equipped to engage that, that issue. So, mm-hmm. for example, a lot of the borders and the boundaries of the Middle East were actually created during uh, World War One, actually during the, that peace process. Right. Um, the, the concept of a Kurdistan that uh, and the fact that we don't have a Kurdistan, uh, that was just uh, one of the many choices that was made uh, in Versailles uh, at, at that time frame. And, and that's continued to uh, shape uh, not only American foreign policy, but, but so many different wars and, and uh, the things that have gone on there in the, in the Middle East. Hmm. See, Tim, I told you we were going to learn some things. Yeah, you weren't, right? you weren't kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we came here to learn. Uh, with the World War One Museum specifically, how often do you guys do events? I know, uh, you know, people always want to try to just go I- and experience the museum for for what it is. But you just spoke like tonight. You had a speaker. How often do you guys do events like that? Often, uh, and we would encourage folks to go to our website, which is www.theworldwar.org, and you can check it out on upcoming events. 
that we've got oh, things for families. We have story times. It, it, it is actually a really, I know that war is inside the, the institutional name, but it really is a great place to bring kids. And so once a month, we uh, look at different stories that uh, connect somehow. Uh, like in January, we've got a, a it's Winnie the Pooh Day. And in case people didn't know, Winnie the Pooh actually comes out of World War One. So does Raggedy Ann. And oh, wow. so we, wow. we have some fun with, right? So we've got some fun with that. Uh, we host lectures, like our partnership with the Command and General Staff College. Uh, we've, we've got folks who come in from around the world. We've got Hugh Strawn, uh, one of the preeminent World War I scholars, going to be here in a couple of weeks. Uh, we've got David Stevenson coming from the London School of Economics. Um, so we've got um, everything from, from story time to uh, great lectures to we talk about uh, Tolkien and how he was influenced uh, in his storytelling and have watched uh, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogies here. Uh, and then, of course, we also have our operation series where we do take a, a Sometimes a bit of a boozy look at how uh, World War I changes who we are. We had uh, uh, Doug Frost come out and talk about uh, how World War I changed cider, uh, mm. and it was brilliant. It was such fun. We love it when, uh, when Doug's able to come out and join us here. I like that. Yeah, that is so fascinating. I, there is just so much I'm learning now. I'm so fascinated <laughs> with just tattoos and Winnie the Pooh and all this other things that yeah, I never even would have thought about when you just say World War One, because you know, like we were talking about. But go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, you're fine. So, so I mean, this war lasted you know over four years, and we're kind of in that hundred year mark right now. Mm -hmm. And so the end, we're coming up in 2018 here, and almost what just about a year in November here will be marked the centennial of the war ending. I imagine you guys already have to be thinking about that and planning for that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I can't tell Are me. Are you any looking other. for a sneak peek there, no. Tim and Tom? I don't <laughs> no. know that you were going to get that. No, I just, you know, but I mean, like, so how far so out? So you guys are you? ready. Awesome. Right. So we're ready. So be looking on the lookout. But more to that, you guys. You guys also. So everybody should be putting that onto their calendar. Veterans, well, you should put it onto your calendar every year. We always host a Veterans Day ceremony here, uh, and it is one of my favorite things that we do, uh, both Veterans Day and Memorial Day. It, it always kind of gives me um, just, you know, those, those joyful, life-giving goosebumps. Um, sure. In, and uh, it's, it really is one of the best places in the city to be, but absolutely, you should put that onto your calendars for yeah. For 2018. Yes, I imagine this will be a little over the top by then, uh, but no details will be revealed at this time. Uh, but you also host many events outside of even the scope of World War One. I. I mean, I know we have a gentleman from American Public Square coming on in a couple of weeks. I know they're hosting a big event there soon. So, I mean, oh, yeah. that, there's a lot of city involvement outside of even World War One. I. I mean, how that's got to be a lot to juggle as well. Uh, it, it, it is. Uh, we, we, are, we are constantly busy over here, and it, is, it really is a wonderful thing. But, you know, Kansas City, it's just, it is a great town to be in. And we are, we've got uh, American Public Square coming out and a fascinating conversation uh, about uh, the future of political parties. Uh, which again, I, I would say you could trace some of that sure. back to uh, mm -hmm. yeah, back absolutely. to World War One, yeah. uh, but it is it's it's you know this is a this is a community gathering space. 
um, it is, and it always has been a, a place where people could, uh, where people could really kind of get together. One of the one of the first stories when I moved to Kansas City uh, that I heard about this space was actually from a that there was a older African American gentleman in his oh I guess 80s or 90s, and uh, he says this was one of the. Uh, and, and he referenced it as the Liberty Memorial, but said this was one of the first integrated spaces in the in the city mm, wow. because people would come out, um, you know, when it was hot at night, uh, and folks didn't have air conditioning. People would come out and they would, uh, you know, set up tents and they they'd sleep in the park, um, and and it was across the board. It didn't matter the the race and things like that, sure. which I just found to be a really, um, you know, that. Just that ownership that so many people in the city have about this space and the yeah. memories that people have uh, about this uh, this space and this memorial. It's, it's really wonderful that it's right here in the heart of the city and that the city has continued to support it, that they raised the funds uh, for the renovations and the expansion uh, so that we really had a space to, to show off the collection. I mean, still, it's only it, it's less than ten percent, but it's it's a much larger space, um, and really to be that space that Kansas Cityans deserve. All right, so I've got to know about the World War One Museum from you. What okay. is your personal favorite thing about the World War One Museum? Your absolute favorite. You tell everyone that you know you come in contact with. Like this is the coolest thing, story, whatever it is, about the World War One Museum. You realize that's that's like an impossible question. <laughs> um, come first, on, Tom. I know. So first, I would say that um, it's so unexpected. You know, people have an idea of what. Uh, when they see war in the name of a museum, um, but we tell this global story, and so much of it uh, is, and so much of the narrative is driven by the words of those who lived it. It just really touches you, um, and it's very human. It's a very human experience, and to see the trenches and to be able to look at the different artifacts and know that somebody wore it. You know, if you look at that artillery shell. And you think, you know, this, the, the materials for this came out of South America, and then that would have been shipped over to, um, you know, quite likely Europe. And, and then it would have been um, molded and shaped and, you know, smelt into um, a shell, most likely by women in, you know, potentially Britain or the like. And then it goes over to France. And just this, just the, the traversing of that one object and all the hands that, that, touched it, all the lives, and all of those folks are, are no longer, um, and we just get this opportunity uh, to, to look at this, um, you know, it's this, it's this thing that tells the story of the people who are no longer here just by its very existence. So um, I, you know, clearly I'm, I'm, I'm a bit enamored with uh, history and artifacts and life, but I think you could walk in and see any of those. Um, now, if by chance you were uh, a kind of Boy Scoutish age, I might tell you about the toilet paper uh, that is propaganda toilet paper and says something very <laughs> crude in French, which mm, I shouldn't say sure. on a podcast, but people uh. could come and any eight-year-old boy would find hysterical. <laughs> right. 
um, that's a that's a lovely uh, it's a sure. lovely artifact that's inside the main gallery. <laughs> um, I, honestly, uh, though, I would say my another one of my favorite pieces that I encourage folks uh, and friends that they really can't miss. And it's funny because everybody sees it all the time, but they don't really see it. Uh, that great freeze on the north side. So right when you come out uh, or you, when you're driving down Pershing and you see this lovely um, guardian spirit uh, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and there are images of war on one side and images of peace on the other. And if you haven't read the inscription, uh, it is that it's the whole reason, you know, it, it, it's part of the whole reason we're here. And it really, it's especially today, it is, uh, it's exactly the, the type of word that we need for today. Well, so this has been great. And Tom, you were right. We have learned a whole lot and learned even that there's so much more to learn at the National World War One Museum. So Laura, before people actually physically get themselves in there, though, you mentioned <laughs> www.theworldwar.org. But what else is there? There's got to be some social media they can look at. Absolutely. Uh, We would love for folks to join us on www.theworldwar.org. If you are a teacher or if you know a teacher, uh, we are partnered with a a nation full, actually a, a world full of amazing educational resources. We are part of the educational arm of the United States Centennial Commission. Uh, we have partnered with the Library of Congress, National Archives, History Pen, uh, the Imperial War Museum, and we are providing some of the best resources uh, for classroom. They are uh, ready to go, and, and if you don't feel like you know enough uh, you can go to those educational resources, and we've uh, cherry-picked some of the best lectures and things along that line to help prepare classroom teachers because we really do think that uh, the world war should be taught in different and and, and bigger ways uh, because it really does impact everything. Now, if you want to see the cool stuff that we do, uh, and there is cool stuff that happens here all the time, I, I highly suggest you follow our Instagram account or our Facebook um, I believe those are the WWI Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also just go to our website and follow that. And if you've missed out on any of our lectures, like the tattoo one, and you want to check that out, uh, you can go onto our YouTube channel. We uh, many times record our lectures, and nice. so you can go back and uh, find out about that. Or if that question of lingerie also interested you, I believe that one's on there as well. <laughs> Okay. Or, you know, any battle. There's a lot of battles and uh, a lot of, uh, there's some symphony partnerships and ballet partnerships. Lots of great stuff available for folks to uh, to take a, take a look at. Never a lack of anything to learn at the World War One Museum, huh? <laughs> well, thank you so much for spending some of your time with us here. And we will encourage all of our listeners to just check out the museum and maybe we'll hook up sometime down the road and maybe come on site and, and have some fun there at the museum. That would be fantastic. Tim and Tom, it was real delight to talk with you all this evening. <laughs> Thank you. We Thank you so much it. for the time. All right, Tom. That was I told fun. you. Man, that was great, wasn't it? Man, that was a lot. And there's, we're just scratching the surface. That Uncle Sam poster really kind of is the first thing I think that like – Really, I was like, wow, I, that she kind of hit me where she said most people don't know that that's not a World War II poster. And I was like, man, I didn't realize that either. 
Well, and now I'm more interested in wanting to know how the World War changed tattoos. She kind of just briefly touched on it, and we didn't dig a little deeper into it, but that's because we want you to go there to figure it out for yourselves. But that's definitely something now I want to go see and find out how that changed. Was it a style? Was it the way they did it? I don't even know. And so, uh, yeah, there's so many things that she just touched on that I'm I'm so interested in. Because like she said, the, the World War, the first World War was, you know, more encompassing than just a death toll. And so, uh, it, it's very, very fascinating and a really, really a great museum to check mm-hmm. out if you haven't been there. Yeah, the mark of a great museum is is telling the stories, not just telling the story, but finding the stories within the larger story that can just keep you there for for years. So uh, it sounds like the World War One Museum takes great delight in making sure that those stories live on. So get out there and check them out. And we're going to come back after the break, and we're going to cue you in on what's happening on the upcoming uh, week and weekend. Tom's got a list of events for you when we come back to Tim and Tom. One out of every 21 New Yorkers is a millionaire. Tim and Tom. Tim. Tom. Tim and 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 Tom. Going to inform you about what's coming up this week all throughout this great city of ours, Tom. What is on the plate for this week? Well, we're coming up on my favorite holiday of the year, Halloween. So a lot of these are going to be Halloween themed, at least for the first one. And on October 20th, we've got the Kansas City Haunted History Tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's going to be on 30 West Pershing Road, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Again, Friday, October 20th. It goes from 9 to 11 and oh my goodness, you have so much stuff. It's a Kansas City Fun Tours is offering a guided haunted history tour. Uh, enjoy a trolley ride through the historical haunted places with a guided walking tour through one of the most haunted mansions in the Kansas City area. Uh, it's going to be an awesome time. Obviously, if you're into the uh, spooks and and goblins and goos and and all that fun stuff like I am, you're going to love that. So that, again, is the Kansas City Haunted History Tour, October 20th, 9 to 11. Again, the uh, address is 30 West Pershing Road, uh, Kansas City, Missouri, the Kansas City Fun Tours. So that is going to be on the 20th. Those always seem fun to me, but I, so like things like that, not necessarily like a haunted house, but like a haunted tour like this, right? Where there's these places with stories of hauntings. What is your take on these? Because I don't necessarily ever like believe that there's like a haunting spirit at these things, but it's always fun to hear like, well, what's happened here? What have people thought has happened here, said here? Like, and it's always these unique situations and there's a story behind usually some sort of death. I mean, it's, uh, I always find them unique and fun. I find anything historical interesting. So for anything to be, hey, at this point in our history, this happened, I'm interested in that. And I prefer it more so than the haunted houses because I know it's just – 
guys working for nine dollars an hour trying to <sighs> spook me. I'm can not I, into that. I'm not I, into they're startle. startle houses. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. It's like, ah, like ah, man, damn it. You know, you right. spend the whole time like just anxious, like, okay, he's going to come around the corner, and then all of a sudden he comes from the other side, and you're like, ah, you son of a. Now, <laughs> let's not get it confused. You get me a couple drinks, and I love a haunted house. You're sure, right, yeah. I prefer <laughs> the haunted uh, guided tours. Totally different settings, is. right? Yeah. Right. If I'm going to go out so, Saturday afternoon, I'd rather go on the haunting uh, exhibition like this. Right. So, all right, here we go. Then on October 21st, getting into uh, my wheelhouse of fun events, you have the Kansas City Guns and Hoses Charity Boxing Event. Uh, This is going to be at the Kansas City Metropolitan Crime Commission is hosting it uh, at the Kansas City Convention Center. Now this, for people who don't know, it is cops versus firefighters. That is a fun standing rivalry in every city. And this is always going to be fun. The opening ceremonies begin at 6.40 with the first bout at 7 p.m. Uh, for more information, go to KansasCityGunsAndHoses.com. So for anybody not in the know, you are very well-versed in the Kansas City mixed martial arts and boxing communities. You've worked for, for multiple promotions. You know mm-hmm. these fighters. You know mm-hmm. the, the company owners. You know mm-hmm. the state commission people. Worked on state How does this work out? These are cops and firefighters who are not trained athletes. Not professionals. This is the thing. They can't be professional boxer or fighter. That's the only caveat is like you can't do that, right? So how is this commissioned? You can't have a professional with 15. For example, Stipe Miocic, he's the UFC heavyweight champion, right? Mm -hmm. He's also a part-time firefighter. He can't participate in this. Sure. For one, it's a charity boxing event. So it's meant to raise money sure. for both organizations. Two, you can't put a professional versus an amateur. So what they do is they treat it very similar to an amateur boxing match where they try to find light guys with similar weight. They give a little bit of a, a variance. Like sure. you don't have to be exactly 170 yeah, pounds. Yeah, this is You're for 171, yeah. two, it's okay, right? So they try to match you up. Uh, as close to competitive as possible. Again, it's firefighters versus uh, police officers. And man, they go at it because it is a real rivalry. You know, we like to make up Kansas versus Missouri, St. Louis versus Kansas City. If you want a real rivalry, cops and firefighters, cop and a firefighter in there and say that the other one's better and you'll see a fight verbally or physically. Yeah. And, it is a great time. I've actually worked one of these in the past, had a spectacular time. All of the uh, co-workers of these guys will be there hooting and hollering, buying beer, buying popcorn, buying hot dogs Talk and nachos. And smack. Uh, Talk it's so much fun. So much smack. Yeah. And it, it's great. So it's the Kansas City Convention Center, Saturday, October 21st. Uh, again, opening ceremonies begin at 640 with the first bout at 7 p.m., Now, let's go into the uh, fun, uh, family-friendly event of Ah, the weekend. Yes. Uh, Dogtoberfest. Yes. It's going to happen Sunday, October 22nd from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. The location is going to be the Kemper Outdoor Education Center. Uh, The price? Free. Free. Now, they they would like donations of dog food. Uh, that would be definitely appreciated. So if you can, definitely donate. 
Um, but Doctoberfest 2017 promises to be a doggone good time. I'm reading here. <laughs> okay. Bring your best friend out for a day that celebrates all things canine. Enjoy competitions and dock diving, which I love. Frisbee catching, which is even awesome. And seeing working dogs demonstrate how they do their job. So you get to see like the uh, canine units getting out there, yeah. German shepherding the crap out of this event. Tackle me to it. the ground. The best. Yeah. Yeah. So that will be, again, uh, I don't know why I freaked out there at the end. Sorry, I just love dogs. I just want to hold them all the time. Uh, Dogtoberfest, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sunday, October 22nd. The location, Kemper Outdoor Education Center. Again, the price is free, but please, if you can, donate some dog food. Okay. And as always, wrapping up the events, kind of something that's been going on for a while, but it's always good to mention, especially around this time of the year. Uh, at Union Station, they are going to be doing the Mummies of the World, the exhibition. So go there. It's at Union Station. Uh, if you don't know where that is, again, that's 30 West Pershing mm-hmm. Road, Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. Uh, it's going to end January 2nd, so you don't have to rush you have some time but i think it's pretty cool for this time of the year before halloween really kicks into gear uh kind of get your appetite wet with some mummies sure and send live and live in color except they're dead and not living yeah i love as you said i'm big history too like it if we go to a museum i'm stopping and reading every placard and every right and i'm just kind of like i don't want to say i mean fascinated yeah and i mean like just kind of like it's just so much to soak in and think about. And I always think about like, man, I, you know, we've grown up in this futuristic world and most of history is all this, you know, no electricity, no this stuff. And I'm always just like, man, how do these societies function in such a foreign environment to what I'm used to? And these events like this at, or these, you know, displays at Union Station are never fail to provide, you know, a great reward for that that little curiosity of mine, you know, it's things like this and they have all kinds of events like this throughout the year at union station. So you will never be disappointed when you go to see something like this. Definitely. And, uh, as you said, I'll kind of second it. It's at union station and they're always top notch with their events. So, uh, you can expect that with the mummies tour. And so check that out. You also have Dogtoberfest. Uh, if you want to see some, uh, slinging of them Dukes, putting five fingers across them faces, uh, check out the Guns and Hoses on October 21st. And to kick it all off, to get you a little spooked for the holiday season, uh, check out the uh, um, Holiday Haunted Tour. So there you go. Got some fun things this weekend. This has been a fun episode, man. We got to talk about some uh, some fun stuff in the news. We talked to Laura Vote of the World War One Museum, which is a great place, obviously, if you got some time this weekend, go check them out as well. Uh, and then, you know, Tom kept you up to speed on what you can do outside of that. This has been fun. And we'll come back next week with another episode of Tim and Tom. Americans consume 10 billion donuts every year. That number seems a little low. <laughs> <laughs>